You're listening to DraftKings Network. Shayna's in her new house, so there's a bit of an echo, so we apologize. We're gonna, we'll fix that oh, soon I'm enough. I'm sorry. Yes. I put shit on the wall. It doesn't matter. Well, it has <laughs> to be absorbing shit. It can't be like art. Like, it has to be like pillows and rugs and like to soak up the sound. That's all. It's I fine. I that. I'm gonna bring a comforter in here next time and just toss it on the wall. Taylor Swift record her whole album over the pandemic with oh. a blanket over her head. Of course she did. This is how you're gonna see me. I'm gonna hold my hands up on Wednesday and just be in like a little boy. Hey everybody, welcome back to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan. And as always, I am joined by the about to be world traveler and recently interviewed and cited on awful announcing, check it out people, Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you today? Yeah, I'm fantastic. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to read the awful announcing article yet, but it is about our old little podcast. So thanks for putting us on the map, people. We're very excited. Yes, thank you to Awful Announcing for that little, I guess we'd call it maybe a profile, kind of a slice o life, if you will. Um, but we appreciate that. Thank you so much for making time to talk to us and featuring the greatness that is Sarah Sivian. We, of course, would not be too many men if we did not have the once again follicle color changing, tennis loving Shayna Goldman. Shayna, I'm actually going to ask you a question. Tell us how the tennis is sustaining you and rewarding you right now. The tennis was disappointing me this weekend. I was in one Saturday night because the results did not go the way I hoped, but um, I feel like they picked it back up last night. So I'm okay now staying up late because I was getting a little concerned. Like, am I staying up at three for a match that starts at three only to be disappointed? We're feeling okay right now. Excellent. I I did watch, uh, what's his name? Andy... Who had the Andy Murray. Yes, I watched him when he won that uh, game. Like in Fanta, I watched that That's against Kokonakis. Yes, that was bless you. He had two matches of the tour- <laughs> he had two matches of the tournament. We love Andy Murray. He seems very kind, slightly crotchety in all the best ways. We we love him. Amazing. And he has a metal hip. What does that mean? He has a metal he, hip. He has oh, a metal hip. Oh, <laughs> everyone thought he was going to retire and be done, and he's still out here and. He plays some of the best tennis he's played in years, so we love that for him. Shayna's in her new house, so there's a bit of an echo, so we apologize. We're gonna, we'll fix that oh, soon I'm enough. I'm sorry. Yes. I put shit on the wall. It doesn't matter. Well, it has <laughs> to be absorbing to shit. It can't be like art. Like, it has to be like pillows and rugs and like to soak up the sound. That's all. It's I fine. I that. I'm gonna bring a comforter in here next time and just toss it on the wall. Taylor Swift record her whole album over the pandemic with oh. a blanket over her head. Of course she did. This is how you're going to see me. I'm going to hold my hands up on Wednesday and just be in like a little fort. <laughs> fort too many men. That's why I should have called my island an Animal Crossing. Damn it. Opportunity missed. Okay, we'll get there. People. You can still build little things in it, right? Like you can build a little fort. They give you things and you can have like in your yard. But I can't change the name of the island. And I can't name no. my house. That's what I'm saying. Oh my God. Richard, the- <laughs> did you hear me? He just walked in with two blankets and pillows. He kicked on. Wow. The, the right Over number the of year. men. The right number of men. Very good. The man who decided to start vacuuming five seconds before we were recording does something right. The men, they're helping us today. I kicked mine out. You, yours brought you pillows and blankets. It's a good day. Sarah, are you, are you situated? Are you ready to go? Yes. Okay, because guess what? What? It's, it's time. For what? 
for your favorite. Beto News. <laughs> we need a bit of news, the Beto News shirt. I, I, you're literally talking to yourself as our merch. For, oh my God, it's going to be my first um, St. Patrick's Day in Southie. I want Beto News green. <laughs> That's the vision. Shana, you're literally, happen. it's you and also often duplicated, never replicated. Often imitated, never duplicated. It's been months. Anyway, okay. Bit O News. We had other designs. Bit O News. Bit O News. You guys, it's a sad time in the Bit O News this week. Um, the player who has affectionately been called Patches may now actually just be made up of patches of attempting to keep his body healthy. Thank you. It's excellent. It was very good, Shayna. It was excellent. Um, but this I love actually, watching these unfold. I know. I know. This does actually make me sad. Um, a good friend of mine uh, has been a fan of this player for a long, long, long time. So I have followed his career uh, pretty closely, too. Um, Max Pacioretty, who was traded to Carolina in the offseason, tears his Achilles before the season even starts. He finally gets into game action with the Hurricanes. He plays just a couple games and then in a non-contact injury. I mean, the minute I saw it, I was like, oh, that's not good. Um, but he has torn the same Achilles again. He's obviously out um, for a long time, if not the entire season. I did not actually see a final diagnosis, but um, you can't think that this bodes well for his career in total either. Um, Sarah, what was your reaction when you heard that this happened not just to the Canes, but also to this specific player? Oh my God, it sucks. He seems like a great guy and he was playing really well in his return and it didn't even take like a second for him to start. He had two goals, I think, in his second game back and he, he was fitting in on the team so well. And it just absolutely sucks. Like, this is one of those things you just, like, it's horrible luck. And, yeah, I obviously don't want to speculate on the future of his career, but it seems like if something like this happens to you twice, it's really, really hard. So just, I feel bad for him. I know the Kaniacs really take care of their injured players. I know somebody had a banner that they bought and were putting around um, the rink for everybody Aww. to sign it to give him well wishes. Yeah, that just sucks. And he just... That sucks. Oh, that sucks. That I sucks. don't know. I feel. I just feel for him. And now, from the standpoint of the Hurricanes, I heard they're looking for Bo Horvat or who's the other one? Who's the other one they're in on? Um, oh, oh, Tarasenko. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I love how like I love how these. I'm not saying this about you, but like I love how now all the insiders are like. All these teams are in on like all these like high end potential free agents, and I'm like, with what assets? It's funny because I heard a return for Horvat would be Natchez. It's like, that's the same thing. Like, why Why would you? It's like swapping for no reason. And Natchez has been having such a good season. But it's funny. And every year during the trade line, I guess I'll give my PSA now, that people having interest, you're a bad GM if you don't have interest in all of these players, right? But it's like the hurricanes are always linked to everybody and we need to have different standards of what we say, different terminology. So people don't get confused anymore because it's like, we get all these page views by saying that we, the player, the team has interest in this player when it's really like, what level of interest do they actually have? hundred percent. 
Shayna, your reaction to the Max Patch Ready news? Well, I agree though that we need different like kicking tires is what every GM should be doing. That's like the bars on the floor. Kick a tire, kick two tires. Hell, kick a third. Then it needs to be like pursuing and then it needs to be like hot on the trail. Like some, we need tears. We need uh, GM tears. But for Patch Ready in particular, like it did feel like he was trying to, leading up to his return, doing a little bit more with the team to kind of like, get to know the fans, get to know the community and things like that because obviously it was tough for him. You get traded to a team in a market you've never been before. How can you connect with anybody when you're not going to be on the ice till January? Um, So that's super unfortunate. And then for it to be the same injury and this injury of all injuries seems like one of the worst to have to deal with and come back from like that. It's so unfortunate. It's, you know, a freak thing, I, I would think not, you know, Everyone's going to speculate now, and it's going to be with the same next bit of news that we have, like, did they come back too soon? And it's going to be things like that. And it's, like, a good question to ask. We should be always asking questions and making sure players get the best care. We've seen it before where they don't like Tarasenko with his shoulder. Like, you know, it's not the end-all be-all when a team gives a diagnosis, but you hope that everything is actually in the best interest of the player. And this was a freak thing versus him not actually being ready and rushing back, but it, it really sucks. And I hope it, you know, it's not career ending or anything like that and that he can fully take the time to recover and move forward from here. hundred percent. Well, as Shayna said too, I feel like maybe our theme music for this segment this week should be Rihanna's Pond to Replay because we have another repeat. No one laughed at that either. That was funny. <laughs> Sorry. I need to get my head of the game. Okay. Okay. Head's in the game. Okay. Repeat. Do it again. I literally... <laughs> As Shayna teased, I'm literally going to do it again. As yeah. Shayna teased, I feel like the theme music for this segment should be Rihanna's Ponder Replay because... <laughs> Sarah doesn't even... <laughs> it's taking me a second. Get it? Because it's a replay. Okay. Levity Perfect. in the face of sadness. All right, friends. <laughs> Sorry. Ottawa's Josh Norris is also now out, and I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, that it was in fact confirmed that he will be missing the remainder of the 2022-23 season um, with another shoulder surgery. It is the same shoulder he had to have surgically repaired before, um, and I had not seen this detail, and so you guys correct me if I'm crossing streams here and talking about another player, but he was already not taking face-offs for the Sens, and now this decision has come out. Is it, Am I crossing the streams? Is this the correct player? I think you're right. We only played a couple games, so it okay. might be right. And okay. sometimes, like with the center, we just see it like to ease back in, right. you know, right. a wrist so, injury, a shoulder injury, things like that, you know, but. Right. So here we again have another player. And I like, again, my first thought is I think about the player because I'm just like, ugh, like, You already have to do some insane mental work to say, I'm going to go back out and hope that whatever I had repaired the first time is now going to last. And to have it done the second time, I think that's just just such a big amount of mental work that has to come back in addition to your body. But um, Josh Norris, Shayna, um, the player and the team, what is what is the impact here and what is your take? Yeah, I think when we talk about like the Ottawa Senators not living up to expectations, we have to keep in mind like they're missing a key part of their offense. He should be down the middle of their top six right there and everything has been in balance since. But like their problems are bigger than that. This is a year I think that 
we jumped the gun a little bit because we forgot like their defense and goaltending still looks like the way it did. Um, so hopefully they can just kind of keep building from there and find a way to progress next year when he's healthy and be prepared to have like a better team around him. But it's just it's it's so unfortunate for a player. It 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 sucks. Everything about it absolutely sucks because again, like with Pacioretty, it's like this is a team that wants to be ready for the playoffs. They want him back in action. But with Norris, you do wonder like there's no reason to rush him back. You're not making it. So I, again, I don't know anything. I just hope no players will rush back in any situations and that's going to elongate this that it need you know, more than it needs to be. A hundred percent. Sarah, are you concerned about the number of injuries or the number of repeat injuries that players, is this something that we should start watching for more closely across the league? Or is this just a shitty series of events for a couple of players specifically right now? Um, I do think it's like the second half of the season and it's time where the playoff picture is clearing up. And I do think there's more logistically going on behind the scenes than we think when it comes. And that's kind of the quandary, the catch 22 of not revealing so much about injuries. And I get why teams don't do that, but at the same time, they lie sometimes. And I do think with Josh Norris, it's like, okay, the Senators aren't going to make the playoffs this year. You might as well do the surgery now and not prolong the inevitable and hope next year is going to be a little bit better. I don't. That's my take on it. At the same time, I, I wish there was more transparency in general and more acceptingness of players not jumping right back. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, to your point, Sarah, we're seeing other players start to shut it down. Cole Caulfield is going to have season-ending shoulder surgery as well. So we may start to see players whose bodies were were not in their best shape. And if the playoffs are out of reach, they're going to start to shut it down and, and then see. Um, but yes, that is our bit o news and apparently the end of my puns because no one thinks I'm funny except me. Um, and unfortunately, no, keep them coming. <laughs> obviously, you're warming us up. We're ready. I can tell. I can tell. Um, but unfortunately, uh, we have a whole nother slew of shit list items to get to. Pick your poison, people. Um, let's start with the most direct on ice that we can. And I'm throwing this at you guys, but we talked about it in the chat. It wasn't what we talked about before this show, but we did talk about it. Um, Calgary Flames head coach Daryl Sutter has a rookie playing for him for the first time, Jacob Pelletier. Um, and in his post game comments, when the coach is asked about the player, literally has to ask for the player's number and then pulls up the game sheet and reads his stats and says he has a long way to go into being an NHL player. If I was that player, I would be pissed. Like, I'm not expecting, I have no problem when a head coach says in response to being asked about a player's first game, oh, I need to see more, it was just a first game. Like, that's fair. A player isn't everything they're ever going to be in a one game sample, but like, this is this kid's NHL debut. And this is how you chose to spoke about him, to speak about him in his first ever commentary to the media. His, you know, this is a dream for so many people, and this is how it ends. Uh, Shayna, what was your take? It's flat out disrespectful. I, unless this player is the cockiest person in the world, which to our knowledge, that's not the case. There's absolutely no reason to put them in their place like that on night one. They should enjoy the moment. They should enjoy the experience. And this isn't some winning team that it's like, well, he played four minutes. No one gives a shit. I before 
I mean, We Before I, things like that. You're the fucking Calgary Flames. You're not playing that well. You need any spark you can get, and maybe this player could bring it. But instead, you have to just be rude, and, like, it's that's embarrassing. That is humiliating. There's absolutely, positively, no reason for that, especially when you're not a very good coach. Your team isn't doing very well under you, and there's been rumors and reports for years about what a prick you can be to your players. Great, great job showing it to the media. Great job. Sarah, your thoughts? Uh, oh my God. I don't want this to come off the wrong way because I don't know Daryl Sutter. I've never interviewed him, never talked to him, but I feel like every clip I've seen of people like peeing their pants about how funny he is, I don't find him funny at all. Maybe I just don't get the humor. He always comes off like an asshole. Maybe that's how I come off to others too, but I don't like find his humor funny. I, and I did see some people defending him saying he was being sarcastic. If I can't tell, if I'm the queen of sarcasm and I can't tell, and this is a big moment, why are you being sarcastic in this guy's big moment to begin with? And it reminds me of, and oh, everybody's so soft. Oh, you're so soft. Zdeno Chara is not so soft. And he made a point when he was a captain to make sure everybody in the room called rookies first-year players. And he had nothing but respect for those first-year players. And it kind of, this team has been, so, the Bruins have been so consistently good because of leadership like that. And it just, it trickles down, right? And it forces you to take a look at yourself and be better. And Sutter is not embodying that type of leadership. And look at the Flames. I mean, they're not horrible, but they just haven't been where they need to be this season. I'm not blaming him, but I do think this was an exciting moment for this first-year player. And he deserves respect. Are you saying that Calgary is going up in flames? Whoa, not quite, but... (laughs) Somebody call 911, shorty fire burning on the dance floor. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Um, folks, this is, it's the gifts that just keep giving from us. We know, we know, we know. Um, all right. Item number two on the shit list. I told y'all we had a list. Um, the NHL is in a fight with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Although I guess it's not really a fight if you just give in. Um, But here's the situation. Uh, The NHL, and this is very common when the NHL comes into a market for a significant event, be it a draft, be it an all-star game, what have you, they have intentional efforts where they leave a permanent or hope to leave a permanent mark and feed change or community efforts or community needs. And one of the things that the NHL was planning to do and in fact had announced was the hosting of a job fair in Florida specifically designed to target and invite and include underrepresented communities, which first of all, literally, good job NHL. I am proud of you. This is the kind of stuff we've been saying, please do more of. However, Ron DeSantis says that that goes against Florida law because heaven forbid we do anything to make anyone feel welcome other than a white male um, in Florida, has now invoked law that will cancel the intended inclusionary comments and mission of this job fair. Uh, Shayna, what was your reaction? If they can figure out a way to be complete assholes and close-minded, they're going to find a way. Like, it is ridiculous to start nitpicking this, and now it's like, oh, the woke NHL. Of all major leagues called the NHL woke, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, you're no, barking up the wrong fucking tree here. <laughs> the, the NHL is Pick asleep. any other league. <laughs> 
Like, my God, let's get mad about this. Let's get mad that we try to do something good. Like, what do you care? You don't, literally nobody cares about this. I can guarantee you nobody, not even DeSantis, gives a shit about this. But if he can make a headline to be like, look, I'm protecting us, you know, insecure white men, then he's going to do it. And that is exactly what he did. And shitty media companies are going to run with it when it doesn't deserve a second of our time or effort because that's the intention of this all. So he can pat himself on the back and be like, he's defending Florida from diversity, from the NHL, the horrible woke NHL. Good fucking job. Like, don't you have something better to do? You'll probably fuck that up too. So doesn't matter. Well, he will. He you know he finished his to do list of canceling advanced you know African American studies that you know has been in existence for forever for college credit for students. But I guess that was amazing the only thing on his list. Sarah, when you heard this, uh, what was your reaction? And if you were the NHL, would you have chosen to fight this or tried to find a way to make this continue as intended? Yeah, I have multiple thoughts on this. First of all. I saw a comment that said, if you think the NHL is too woke, then you, how racist do you have to be? And that's so true. <laughs> Second of all, I, like what you guys were getting at, like, doesn't he have something better to do? Yes. And all of the, this culture war is such a distraction and it makes me so furious and sad how we just, we should be advancing as a society to the point where we're actively making society better for all. And then every little culture war about wokeness and M&Ms and fucking including people that are not historically included in a very white sport. This has to be a debate that takes up time in the government when there are actual issues. Inflation has never been higher. We're entering a recession and they want to tax us 30%. Like there's so much going on. Another shooting yesterday. So much bullshit going on in the world. And they want to distract us by nitpicking every single thing about non-issues and play this game of semantics. And it just makes me sick and really, really mad. And Gary said he wanted to have a debate with Ron Santos, right? I respect that because it's like- Oh, I had not seen that update. Sarah's looking, she's researching. She's trying to I know, find. I, could, I couldn't find it. Um, um, oh, he's not interested in a debate. Oh, Sorry, okay. that's well, a kind of a big part of the- That's what we expected. <laughs> yeah. That's what we expected. Uh, now we I'm disappointed like again. We would like to see it, though. Exactly. No, Batman can't do it. He would disappoint too many of his players. <laughs> oh, Gary. See, we were so excited, and here we are. Well, Snap yes. right back to reality. Well- I would say to you, if you are in the Florida area or attending the All-Star Game and you are interested in going to this job fair, I would suggest you go and I would suggest you apply for any jobs that you might see as a fit. And I would encourage you to be your biggest, brightest, most vibrant self true to who you are when you show up in the first place. Um, Absolutely. Because, yeah. All right. Um, this is another story, um, and I read it one way, and then Sarah rightly said, are we sure we understand it that way? So we're going to debate this one a little bit, because I put it on the shit list immediately. Um, this is an article that came out in the Traverse City Record Eagle. If you haven't been to Traverse City, it's a beautiful area, wonderful, wonderful community. And it was reporting on an event that was going on there. Um, they do a lot of things with writers um, in Traverse City. And U.S. Hockey Olympic gold medalist Lisa Brown Miller was talking about building up women's hockey. She was there with Keith Gave for, if those of you who don't know that name, um, he's a longtime uh, Michigan-based writer who wrote a book on um, 
so many of the Russians coming over and forming um, the Russian Corps that propelled the Red Wings to so much success. And now he's written about the U.S. women winning gold. Um, but they were there, too. And she shared a story. And of course, as I was scanning it here, um, uh, Lisa Brown Miller grew up in Michigan, but had to leave the state to play because there were no collegiate programs for women. And this was in the 70s. However, um, the quote that caught my eye uh, was this. Longtime Michigan hockey coach Red Berenson had an encounter with legendary Canadian hockey player and coach Shannon Miller decades ago, according to Gabe. That's the author Keith Gabe. Miller asked Berenson if there will ever be a women's hockey program. Quote, not while I am here, Berenson responded, according to Gabe. Now, I will rant and then I will let Sarah offer a contrary point of view. Um, if you look at the University of Michigan and all the goddamn money that it has, look at its football program. The fact that the current opportunities for women to play at the University of Michigan are club level where the women have to, to run GoFundMes to raise the money to rent the ice on which they can play is absolutely abhorrent. And it further disgusts me that we are in the same conference, not for women's this women's game, but in terms of every other sport that the school plays with Ohio State, where the defending national champion women play in a ice hockey quote unquote rink building that was built over a hundred years ago, where the locker rooms are in the basement where they have built new facilities for football, for wrestling, for golf, for baseball, for everything. And any time in the many years that I and others have covered Ohio State and asked if they're going to do anything for their hockey teams, they say there's going to be a study. And when I say, when is the study going to start? They say, we aren't sure. This is absolutely ridiculous. If you want to put yourself out there to be a big time sporting school, in addition to all your academic accomplishments, do it for all sports, particularly when you have a program in the same sport. So I, particularly given some of the issues that Michigan has recently had, am taking this as further proof that what we know on and off the record about a lot of these schools that don't have support for the women's game is because it's coming from up top in programs that there should not be support for the women's game. All right, Sarah, now you can talk me off a ledge. Go ahead. Okay. No, you actually nailed that. Cause I was just trying to think what he meant when he said that it's like, Oh, maybe he doesn't, he sadly doesn't think it's going to happen while he's there. And he's, he knew he was going to be there forever until he retired or he's happy because the money isn't going to that. Like you said, I mean, I just can't believe he would say something like that. So I don't want to believe it, but I think maybe that's what he meant. And maybe that's why it's coming out decades later, right? So that sucks. But there is a sentiment in that, right? Because even like the best hockey schools, a lot of the programs aren't even profitable. And it's, um, so it's like this whole competition. They just like do things poorly. But I don't think you can call yourself a hockey school or the hockey school. It goes back to the North Dakota thing too, where you can't call yourself that if you don't have a women's program. Because a lot of the time, women's like, unfortunately, as it is right now, or as at least it has been in the past, women's college hockey has been, like, the premier place to watch women's hockey, not counting international tournaments. So it's just sad that 
this kind of attitude is perpetuated? 100%. And, you know, this article goes on to talk about it. And Lisa herself used to be a coach in the Ivy League after she finished her international play and now is a coach at a Michigan college. Um, but, you know, again, there are so few colleges with opportunities for women to play this game. Shana, you have such a finger on the pulse of the women's game at so many levels. Uh, what was your reaction? Again, this isn't necessarily a huge story, but it's just more of the same. Yeah, that's the problem. It's more of the same. And like, there are times when it's like, I don't want those ideas and thoughts put into the universe because other people might be like, oh, it's okay to say that. But on the other hand, it's like, if you truly feel that way, please say it so you can get shit for it and be told how you're wrong and how you're unfit for a position that maybe you do hold. Uh, the women's game at the college level is so important. That is the pipeline for international teams, for professional players. And it's not just for American players. But for Canadian players, if you look to Team Canada right now, go up and down that roster, you will find players who played at the NCAA level. So if you want to whine that women's sports aren't profitable, truth is probably hockey's not profitable because hockey is such a fucked up sport and culture that no one wants to fix. So that's the bigger problem. Fix hockey. It's not the women. It is not the women. It is the men. It is everything. So... It would just be nice if people could actually pinpoint where the issues are instead of automatically defaulting it to the women because their brains are the size of peas and they can't understand that, like, you don't have to put every problem on a woman. You can say that there is a problem and try to let a woman fix it because it'll probably actually get fixed then instead of pushed aside, but that's a different conversation. Support the women's game, particularly when you already have so many of the facilities to allow that to be possible. Um, all right, we have one last entry on the shit list. And uh, before we go here, I know that I speak for all three of us when we say that above any and all that we're about to discuss and break down, we send so much love and support and positive vibes to every person who's been affected by this. Um, I know each of us in our own way have been in these exact same shoes. Um, and we know the impact uh, both financially, professionally, and also personally. But over the weekend, with little to no notice, in the middle of many, many hockey seasons around the world, uh, Vox, Nation, Vox Media announced that they will be cutting all but, is it six? Six of their SB Nation hockey sites. Um, that includes um, every market except for the six that covers an NHL squad. It includes the Ice Garden, which covers women's hockey. It is basically slashing a huge resource for hockey media. And I know when I was coming into this space as a writer, SB Nation sites across the league, across the country, across the nation, had writers who were thinking differently, who were finding new things, who were so kind in helping me learn and understand new things. Um, these are great, great people. These have been the resources where a lot of people who work for NHL teams now got their start. Um, and at the very least, this is a huge, huge blow for media covering the game that we all love. Uh, that's my two cents. Uh, Sarah, when the, when the news came down, what, what was your reaction and what comments do you want to say on this whole process? Yeah, the first article I ever published was Stanley Cup of Chowder in Boston. That was the first professional hockey, my ticket in. That was like my first experience ever covering an NHL team was via SB Nation. And all of the people there are just so wonderful despite horrible conditions in a way 
I'm not at all glad about how this went down, but it's an inevitability. It felt like because for so long, these people that are great people, great resources and deserved so much better, we're just giving it 5,000% and getting so little in return with the way this Vox company evil, evil is structured. It is not right. It's not right. And it's such a trend in media right now. And it's, there's VC money that they, they're so obsessed with soaking anything out of you that you they can get and not giving anything to you in return and they keep demanding more and more and more and it's so unsustainable and shit finally hit the fan they make so much money they're making record profits but it's not about that it's about growth in this industry right now which is a term that you have to bring back to your investors and say okay this is what we're doing and if, and if it isn't growing fast enough and it doesn't matter about the quality it just matters about certain metrics the metric of the day that they pick that's what growth is and they can change it anytime and they're such a slave it's not how this should be they're a slave to the metrics they're a slave to investors and then the people doing the actual labor don't get a crumb of it so I would really like to see a lot of people that have now gotten laid off create something like a defector, right? Where they own it and they get the money because I truly believe that they could do that and I would subscribe. I would fucking work there. I, I would love to see that. So that's my thoughts on it. It's it's kind of confusing if you're not really, I don't know, in the industry and aren't up to date on how all of this shit works, but it's been broken for so long and it's just horrible. Yeah, and to round, that's a good point, Sarah. So if you are just a fan of the game, you know, these are probably sites that you go to a lot because these are writers who are writing in very, in my opinion, very accessible voices. Um, and to Sarah's point, you're usually not getting paid even what you would get paid at a paper or a more quote unquote established outlet, but you do it because you're passionate you're either passionate about writing or you're passionate about the team you're covering. And that excitement fuels you through a lot of crap, but it also teaches you a lot. And before you can become in current times, this is the reality of the thing. You can't just jump into a media job with no experience or understanding or knowing how to conduct yourself in an interview or knowing how to conduct yourself in a press box. And these outlets are such a great bridge for people like me who didn't have a single day of training in this industry before starting. And to to have a place that fostered that passion and also fostered great content and great content creators and gave again, as I say, new voices who were doing it when they were literally barely making any money. Um, it's just sadder all around. Shana, you have contacts and have been associated with SB Nation sites. Uh, what are your thoughts? It's so disappointing, all of it, because forever, SB Nation has profited off people and taken advantage of people while paying them pennies on the dollar. The workload that you were expected to do there for literally nothing is ridiculous. And it's so, but I like, I understand, I did it. I understand it because the opportunity you can get, the platform that you were provided, and, you know, for some sites, the support you got. When I wrote at Blue Shirt Banter, and, you know, it's run by, Joe, Tom, and Mike, they did incredible stuff and were amazing for me. So, you know, it's its unfortunate to see, but it's, it's nothing new. And this is a place where you could get your start. It's, you know, one of the earlier sites I wrote for. You could look around to beat writers. Charlie O'Connor did amazing work for the Flyers vertical there. Eric Tolsky, who's now assistant GM of the Hurricanes, wrote there too. You can look all around the NHL and see 
these voices and where they got their start and this fundamental work that we all still use in sight. Like I know for me, if I'm looking up anything for aging curves, I'm looking to Tolsky's work. That's all on SB Nation. So I do hope that people don't lose their work, which is a problem we have. So if anybody is listening and you write for an SB Nation site, export everything to PDFs and save it. You have a portfolio, you did amazing work, you should have it. If you like someone's work, support it, read it, click it, share it. We all talk about this all the time. There's a reason for it because if it's not gonna work out for them at SB Nation, let their voices be heard elsewhere because there are other editors out there who might go, this is a voice I've been missing because there's quality work being done all around. And to Vox, seriously, a huge go fuck yourself. You have been a terrible company forever. You are further proving it. And to the tweet that I saw that said, this is how you lay off people. This is not how you lay off people. First of all, that tweet is never appropriate, especially at the moment that people just woke up and found out they lost their jobs. Second of all, they did not handle any part of it right. They sent an email. I got to see the email. It was not a good email. It was not anything like that. That is not how you do things, especially when this is pennies to you because you've been taking advantage of them for years and they didn't even keep the most profitable sites that's not how they're operating right now at all if you know there's there's ways to go about this it's all done horribly so vox seriously seriously go fuck off um to the writers i i like i i can't i can't even like fathom how i would feel in that position like it's it's so crushing You see the work that Steph Driver did there. I hope someone listening gives her a job too because she's done amazing work and has always fought for the writer. So seriously, just fuck off, Fox. Like, good good fucking luck. I hope, I really hope, like you said, another something come of this, like a defector model for these writers. I just want to, like, know what level of hell we're in right now where you think the thought That's the great way to lay people off. And you write that. These people, there was no reason to even lay them off. So that thought should have never entered your head. Like there's no, I get that there's like graceful way. First of all, it wasn't a graceful way how they did it. And I get that there's graceful ways to do it, but it's not when there's no reason. (laughs) Like there's literally no reason these people got laid off other than greed and we're like manufacturing a recession. But I not I, you can listen to your favorite financial advisors on that one, but it's just kind of where we're at with these startups and how the startupification of journalism has it was just a matter of time. It's like when you see Uber is all of a sudden expensive and Airbnb is going to shit. It's the same thing with these investors. They want to see exponential growth and they don't care about humans. So there's, that's inherently not a good way to lay people off. Just a ridiculous statement and just how out of touch and disconnected we all are in life right now. So in a humanity standpoint, I, my heart goes out to all these writers. You're going to be okay. You're so much better than how Espionation has made you feel. And I've been there. And to the NHL too, The NHL, I know certain teams have looked at it like bloggers, we don't want them in our press boxes and things like that. If you're an NHL team, you might have just lost a great source of coverage, a place, a community where people will just go watch your games and talk about them. That's, it's, if you don't know much about hockey and you want to learn it, ask how many fans, take a poll around the league of how many fans would say, oh, I went to my SB Nation site for the team I like or I want to like to learn about it, to get to know this team. 
the league just lost a huge, huge, huge source of coverage that they need, of all the leagues they need. So I, it would be nice, too, to see any empathy, any anything for what's going on because they need the coverage just like more than any other league that they're the one league that I don't think can really afford to lose all of these writers and yes you have local beats and there are other places but this was a huge one that really got fans involved well and that was a point I saw made too is that the NHL needs to be paying attention to this because a media outlet just decided that your sport was not worth covering so um, I will say I know Steph Driver who Shane already mentioned has hinted at beginning to uh, put something together. So um, I'll just echo again these comments to say uh, that if you see something happening or if there is a writer that you like or if you see a site that you've read, start to talk about um, ways that you can help support them as they try and continue on the coverage that you enjoy. I would encourage you if you have the means to, to try and do whatever you can. All right, you guys, we have had an exceptionally long shit list. Um, we're technically transitioning into hockey topics, but uh, it starts with another just frustrating series of events. Um, we've already had one of our two honored, dishonored teams to make our We're So Glad You Not You page uh, make multiple appearances on this podcast, um, but they are here now again, and the Vancouver Canucks have now made it official as of Sunday that Boos Boudreaux is out as head coach and Rick Tockett is in. Um, there was an incredible tweet uh, citing now how much money the Canucks are paying three coaches, uh, two of whom are no longer in their organization because they've gone through three in the span of like 13 months and two days. Can I interject there? Yes. Eddie Lack responded to me, uh, my retweet of it and said, how do I get one of these jobs? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I'm sure we can talk about what it what it means to have seen the fans in the community rally around Boost Boudreaux. It was incredibly hard just as a human to watch him have to soldier through what he did and, and show emotion um, and not show emotion um, before he was done knowing that he was going to be done. I'm just going to talk about the thing that I feel like nobody's talking about. And that is the fact that in addition to all the bad, like, yes, they have to have someone in place before they can hire him. That is true. But on top of all of the drama of it, can we talk about the fact that the guy they hired had to delete his Twitter account the day he was hired because of suspect follows and tweets? And this goes to my point about the Vancouver Canucks. How in the world was a social media query not done of the individual you were about to hire as head coach. And if it was done, you need to hire a new company because good God, people. Like that to me, honestly, like all the other stuff, I, it's terrible, but I get it. But the fact that this guy then has to delete his Twitter that morning because people start finding stuff is shocking. Shocking, shocking, shocking. You couldn't have had him do this 24 hours earlier, sorry. Like you couldn't have just been like, delete your tweets. I feel like we know at this point to like do the social media scan before anything's announced. And you, I guess nobody cared when he got hired on TNT to look through, but I don't know. I, when I looked at the likes, I kind of, they didn't really make sense. I, it kind of reminds me of a boomer just sifting through it, like with fat hands and accidentally liking things. But there were so many that I'm not sure if it was an accident and regardless, somebody should have 
he, they know he's a little older. It's like, look through his stuff and make sure that everything's in tip top shape. That's just a little embarrassing for him. It's not like there was anything horrible, but it was like porn stars. So yes, I don't know. I, I like a pro sex work guy, but like, I don't know if that in, in the middle of all this drama, you got to clean up, clean it up. Exactly. It and, up. and honestly, like, because it was the worst kept secret in the world, if they did already look at it and they said, okay, you're just going to have to delete it. Like he could have deleted it a week ago and no one would have been like shocked. Like didn't he have to I, put I, in I, uh, like four weeks? A, a month. There's a report for people who don't know, there is a report out there. I apologize for not having the source in front of me. Uh, that, Sean Shapiro. Sean Shapiro. Thank you, Shana. That uh, TNT required a month's advance notice before terminating a contract such as the one that Rick Tockett had. So the deal was in place a month prior, but he was not allowed to leave until that month had concluded. But again, I say, like, and Sarah, you raise an even better point. Well, I mean, it answers it. The question answers itself is, did TNT do a social media scan? But I'll leave that to you people to decide. But I just, like, again, are you, like, is this really the guy? Like, is Rick Tockett the guy that's going to fix the Canucks? I, Shana, I mean... He's been in a couple other places. Obviously, Jim Rutherford knows him from Pittsburgh. But is is this the guy? Is all of this worth it, given the state of the current Vancouver Canucks? Um, it's not surprising <laughs> they went with him because there are connections from Pittsburgh. I do think you can make the argument that Tockett was an effective assistant coach and knows how to work with certain players and maximize them. But he's a head them. coach I think now. We did... that's, the, that's the thing. There's like 200 different ways to look at this on where Vancouver went wrong. You could be like, is there the argument for Bruce Boudreaux actually getting fired? And you could say, yes. Could you make the argument that the Canucks problems were bigger than Bruce Boudreaux the entire time, though? Yes, that's roster building. Is Rick Tockett the answer alone? Is Rick Tockett? No, he's not the answer alone. No, he's not the answer. Even with the best assistant coaches, that roster is flawed. There's a lot wrong with it, and it's probably going to get worse because they probably have to move out Horvat because they signed bad contracts previously. So it's like everything about that on the hockey side of it, you could sit here and go, well, there's things wrong there. Now there's cracks. Then you go, how about how they handled it? Like in the press conference, even acting like, well, when we made this decision a couple days ago, don't fucking lie. At this point, don't lie. Enough. It's enough. If you want to say, when we made this decision, don't put a fucking date on it to try to save face. Everybody knows the truth. It's not that. It doesn't help this situation where you already look bad. Just say, when we made this decision to hire, talk it, blah, blah, blah. Fine. Then you move on to like the decency portion of it and how nobody, I don't care how shitty of a head coach you are, deserves that, especially someone who seems like as decent of a human as Bruce Boudreaux. If you want to, I heard, I listened to 32 Thoughts earlier and the Canucks are all upset and like, oh, this is Elliot Friedman's fault for reporting this. When it's like, that's his job. I'm sorry. (laughs) That is his job job. for it to be reported. Be upset. Your organization, let that fucking leak out. And that everything down to the, the minute that Bruce Boudreaux was called into the office to be fired got leaked. That's your problem. That is not anybody else's problem. And once the news came out, you could have handled this in a more courteous way. You chose not to. You chose to let Bruce Boudreaux hang in the wind 
you could see how much it was hurting him. You could see how the fans reacted. You could see how the players reacted. And you chose not to give a shit. And it, everything about it is just so perplexing to me because I, I still look at it and I'm like, who's calling the shots? Is it Rutherford or is it Patrick Alvin? Or if you're the president, why are you as involved in the day-to-day as you are? So there's a million problems with all of this. And the smallest one of it all is whether Rick Talk is the right person to coach because the team is so fucked before you even get to that next question. Sarah, the state of the Vancouver Canucks. Discuss. Are you going to pay me for the therapy session after? <laughs> I don't. I think it's so funny that they blamed Elliot, the most like tame journalist around for this. It just also shows the state of hockey media relations where it's like, it, it's so broken. But anyway, I, it's so sad. I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm like feeling my emotions because I haven't drank in a month, but I was like crying watching the Bruce. There it is. It's such a shitty situation to put this man in who has been nothing but good, nothing but he's been the brightest spot in the Canucks for the past two years when he was hired and started winning and all the win streaks they've been on. And he's been heavily involved in all of it. So he's a great guy. He's a special person. And you should look at Jackie Redmond's video clips with him she's been posting kind of all day it just shows the special guy that he truly is and he deserved better than this anybody deserves better than this the way it's so publicly drawn out it's just another example of how what a mess the Vancouver Canucks have become it's so embarrassing for them and I know there's been I'm not going to say who but there's been people in their front office people on the coaching staff and relatives that have been liking things on social media that are like, this has been really mishandled. And do you blame them? I don't. I'm done with this franchise if I'm on in it. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Well, and, it, and that's, I mean, if we, if we say that there are fundamental issues, like, and listen, I, this is actually a legitimate discussion that could be had. But the, if the issues are the roster, which many of us believe and many people who follow the team closer than I do believe, if you're already just straight business, if you're already shelling out multi like it's arguably, it's arguable to say, and I've not pulled up cap friendly. So Shana, maybe, you know, off the top of your head, they're paying more in coaching people who aren't coaching their team than they're paying their top player right now per year. And that's just a bad business decision. That's just a bad financial decision. And if you need to fix your roster and your coaching, I feel like you fix your roster first and then like if they are only solely focused on Elias Pettersson being the one piece that is in under no terms going to leave or possibly be up for move, like you have time to put the right person you want behind the bench while you clean up the roster. The best leader in the world isn't going to fix a broken roster. That's just the way it is. So instead, you're now spending more money under him. And the amount of people that are on their payroll still as head coaches just shows it's not working. They keep doing the same thing. Why do I have a headache? Oh, it's because you keep banging your head against the wall. Yeah, they keep worrying about, too, like, we are untouchable player. Well, your untouchable player was struggling so much. And then a coach came in and look at the difference, too. And that's one player that he's dealing with but it's like a small sample. You can make the argument that he wasn't the right coach moving forward. You can absolutely make that argument and say they needed a different voice, but you're like, you're so focused on that. Everything, every, and then today it's like, oh, well, or yesterday, whatever it was, it's like, I, I should just zip it. If I talk, I'm saying too much. You're allowed to be honest about your team, 
But these are thoughts, one, you should be sharing within the organization and actively be doing it to fix it. If you're the person that has the keys, right? You're not the general manager, you are the president, you are above that and you are clearly involved in the day to day. And you're saying that there's all these things wrong, Look in the mirror for a second before you start sh- shelling out blame for everyone. Well, the players aren't, you know, playing. The coaching aren't, isn't what it is. The structure is bad. What's your role in this? Aren't aren't you supposed to be the one handling everything? And it just feels like m- maybe like they could have gotten like an ounce of stability. They thought because they brought in a hockey man with experience. That has not been the case. Ownership's a mess. Management is a mess. It's like, are we reaching Eugene Melnick levels of dysfunction? Like, I I think that Thomas Drance has done a really, really good job covering this because he's outlined just how fucked this organization is. I don't know how you fix it, but I just don't see that there's that many capable people of doing it there. Well, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, and then we'll, we'll wrap up here too, is I now am starting to get concerned because I've started to hear for the first time um, well, you know, everyone thought this organization was going to be doing so well. Look at how they made all these progressive changes last summer and hired all these women. And this is the double-edged sword for any minority group when they come into a space where they have not traditionally been hired is that is the backlash going to be worse than any minute gains gained? And we on this show are not equipped at all to speak on the inner workings of the Canucks front office, but the optics, just in the wrong hands, I fear that this could be weaponized too, and I hate that, and I hate that. So, all right, that's what we got today, friends. A whole, we should have just called this whole episode the shit list, I guess, because everyone's broken and everything sucks, but. (laughs) um, You choose the titles, you can do what you want. (laughs) That one has to be a really epic one. I think we'll wait and see. We'll, we'll finish up with our favorite game, and that is Fuck, Mary Kill. Uh, Shana, you're going to go first, and uh, we wanted to tie it to recent events, so here you go, Shana. FMK, which organizational disaster? Chicago, Vancouver, Philadelphia. Go. Okay. I'm going to kill Chicago. There's so much damage that's been done on the roster. There's so much damage that's done to the reputation, the logo's bad, the everything's bad. I don't want to touch it with the tempo pole, especially because I think that's the most resistant to change being an original six team and there's all this shit to hold up. I don't want to touch it. Sorry. I think they need help. I'm not going to be the one to do it. <laughs> I'm punting that one away. Um, I'm going to fuck... I'm going to fuck the Flyers. Because I see glimmers of potential in there, but I also don't think it's as terrible of a, of a task. Like, I think it's like, I think, you know, it's, it's I think the Flyers are fixable. It's going to take time on the roster, but I just think that, you know, the answer's a little too easy and I want a challenge. I'll just dip my toes in there and then dip out. Um, I'm going to marry the Canucks. Wow. Because no matter what I do, I can't be as bad as the fucking current regime. I could be terrible and I wouldn't be this bad because I wouldn't let my coach just wait to be fired. The man is in tears at media availabilities and at the games. I would never put a human through that. And I think that they need so much help and I want to do it. And Vancouver seems like a very nice place to live while doing it. So I don't know if you're given that opportunity. How do you shut it up so badly? I would like to find out. Sarah? Oh, this is tough. I'm killing Chicago because they just are not, they're never getting it. They didn't get it. They, 
the Bowmans, I don't, it's just not, not anyway, I am going to fuck. <laughs> oh, this sucks. Vancouver, because I hate myself and I'm going to marry <laughs> Philadelphia because I hate myself, but at least I have some self-respect. <laughs> That's a tough one. This might that, be your hardest. This is, this is hard. Yet. This is hard. Okay, I am going to. I am also going to kill Chicago, and that's mainly because, um, in addition to everything you guys have said, the thing that grinds my gears the most about Chicago is how people who are out of the organization, former players, big voices, who could get away with doing this fairly unscathed, have not also voiced ownership of bad shit that's gone down and called for change. And I think that could have been a very powerful way to do this. And if the historical f- figures that are very, very well upheld in that community aren't caring about it, it's going to be really hard to change. Um, wow. Yeah. I hate myself. Um, <laughs> it's harder than a it bad looks, idea. This one. You know what? I, this is what swayed me. I'm marrying Vancouver because I would rather live in Vancouver than Philadelphia. Don't come for me, Philadelphia people. I've been there too many, many, many times, but Vancouver is like top 10 like world destinations. It's gorgeous. So um, there would be worse places to live while I tried to fix a mess. So there you go. All right, friends, uh, that about covers it. Uh, We hope that we don't have a very extensive shit list the next time we get together and we can talk about just the hockeys. Uh, We'll see. We've got some win streaks going on. We'll see if they are still happening. The all-star game is just about to be upon us. Uh, Teams are getting healthy. Wins are happening. Races are tightening in the division, and we will bring all of that to you next episode. But until then, please follow us on social. You can find us on Twitter at two underscore much underscore man. In our bio, you can find links to where to follow us, our website, including where to get delightful merch that bears too many men, fun stuff, and logos for your enjoyment. And until we talk again, please do something, no matter how small, to help make sure that hockey truly is for everyone. We will talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.